You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Monster House presents Monster Talk is proud to be a part of the Airwave Media family, home of such shows as The Daily Meditation Podcast, The Accidental Creative, and I Know What Scares You. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stoltzner. Welcome to part two of our two-part look at Georgia Cryptids, based on a talk that was given at DragonCon 2023. I will be giving this talk again in person, live on October 15th at the Fort South County Library in Cumming, Georgia. This is not the end of the research here. As you'll hear in the body of the discussion, there's some really interesting science to talk about, and I'm hoping... To learn more about a couple of these items, because just knowing whether something's true or not does not mean you've reached the end of the story or the end of your learning. But right now, I think I can already hear the monster dog. And we're back to steal from Astonishing Legends. <laughs> Uh, Well, yeah, this is part two of our deep dive into Georgia cryptids. And again, we have friend of the show and host... Blake Smith joining us. Thanks for having me back, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) This has got to be at least the the third or fourth time that you've appeared on the show. At least. I'm going to get an award for most guesting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But we wanted to revisit the topic of Alti, Alti Mahaha, the estuary monster that we had initially discussed with uh, recent guest, Rick Spears. Rick Spears. Yeah, I think that uh, that was such an interesting discussion with Rick because we got to hear a lot about his work and uh, the, the processes involved. But 
I really wanted to dig deeper into the story of Alti, and so that's what we're going to do today. It is, and I'm you know, excited. I, and I was very excited to talk to Rick. And I, you know, there were there's a couple ways you could look at Alti, and I think his artwork is is very representative. Of one of those ways, and we're going to talk about some of the other ways that you can sort of examine this case. Um, I should say that. I knew this case, and I'd actually, and I, I think I mentioned in our last chat that I actually had worked, <laughs> I'd looked in it in 2011, actually. Uh, okay. For Creative Loafing. They were doing a story on Georgia's uh, Lake Monster. It's really an estuary monster, but, uh, and they both, they talked to me and they talked to Rick Spears. So I thought that was really funny because I did not make that connection until I was getting yeah, ready for this uh, Dragon Con thing. Already come together in the past and didn't even know it. Yeah, we're just. It was, it was meant to be. It was destiny. Two monster investigators destiny. passing in the night. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so to to get back to the topic, then what what is the actual story? Because uh, I, I know little bits and pieces, but it would be nice to have the that kind of that information, the the original story, if there is an original story. There is. There is an original story. Um, in 19, late 1980, um, there was a story that came out of Darien, Georgia, that a giant eel had been spotted by a couple of fishermen. And they called it uh, the Big Kahuna or the Kahuna. Okay, you're making me think we can end the story already now that you've mentioned eel. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I would say that when I was giving my uh, DragonCon presentation, uh, I finished up by saying that Alti was an eel-conceived notion, which I was very proud of. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, those people—they <laughs> groaned and yelled at me. I, I don't understand. True, so, what? <laughs> true eggs at you. And... <laughs> no, that really happened. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, no, it, it, uh, it, it was the original story was an eel. But after that story came out in February of 1981. The story got picked up by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which made it blow up. So it went sort of, mm. at least Georgia viral. And then lots and lots of people started reporting that they had seen weird things uh, in the Altamaha uh, River. And mm. uh, now there were some curiosities to that because some people described something that sounded like a mammal. And some people mm. described something that looked like a fish. And some people describe okay. something that looked like a reptile, and uh, a lot of the, uh, 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 <laughs> this is getting confusing. It is well, and I think when you look at what Rick did with his sculpture, was he tried to combine these features into something that looks like a natural creature, but yet mm -hmm. meets a lot of those criteria, and, and I think did a That's fine a job. Tough and job, yeah. I, I, I would say that that would be the chimera approach. That whatever okay. it is has the distinct qualities of several different kinds of creatures. That's the sort of chimera idea. Mm -hmm. And the other approach to this would be what I would call the discrete creature approach. That all the people were seeing something different. It was unusual, but they weren't all seeing the same thing. And right. I, I would say if that's correct, it kind of reminds me of what we've talked about with ghosts. Where mm -hmm. when you have a, a haunting... You, what you really have is a lot of discrete, weird occurrences, and you start lumping them together, and then ghost becomes the diagnosis slash exp explanation. Uh, right. And then yeah. everything yeah. fits in that category. So if, if you see a weird thing, and it's got these qualities, you see another weird thing, it's got the other. Well, it's a monster, and it's mighty odd, 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think uh, that's one possibility. Um, we had a, a yeah, real, I know. I think that's a good theory. So here's how I think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's this cycle that happens in monster stories, especially with a monster flap. And right. this is something I've written about, but I think since I've written about it, uh, I've gotten it down pat a little better. Like I think my pattern's a little better now. And it goes like this. Someone spots something unusual. They think it's a monster. Mm-hmm. And that, now if that someone does nothing with this, there's no monster flap. But if that person is brave enough uh, to go to the media or to tell the general public that they've seen a monster and they're not run out of town or ridiculed, in, in yeah. t- then what happens is it creates what I call an atmosphere of narrative permissiveness. Mm. Now, suddenly, other people feel like it's okay to tell about the weird thing that they saw also. And or so, it could also lead to copycat stories. Also like true. And people were like, mm. well, yeah, of course. I saw that monster too. Exactly. Could, all those things yeah. are possible. And then, yeah, so like a kind of commu- communal reinforcement in a sense. One hundred percent, exactly. Yeah. And then the second thing that happens is some clever person will realize that monsters, unless they're space aliens in a spaceship, generally speaking, monsters don't come out of nowhere. They have a biological history, and so right. those people who I like to think of as the monster historians will mm-hmm. look at the new monster and then they will go to the archives and try to see if there's any matching stories from history in the area. And that's right, to kind of legitimize the story as well. Exactly. It puts it into yeah. a more naturalistic context and says, Hey, that monster has been here for a long time. In this case, yep. someone went back and found out that in the 1830s or specifically in 1830, uh, the Savannah area did have a report of a sea monster now, it was a monster spotted ah. with a ship coming into the Savannah River, but that is not the Altamaha, and uh, it, the description of the creature is more like a classic sea monster uh, or sea serpent and not uh, an eel okay. and not a, a mammal-like thing or a reptile-like thing. Okay, was that just a one-off sighting, or there were, it were was. There ones surrounding there, there, that? Nope, just the one-off. Um, and then there's a, a a really interesting historical journal where someone uh, captured all the journals of this woman in the area, you know, for historical purposes. And she talks about reading the newspaper article and that she was on mm-hmm. a voyage herself, and the captain had some things to say about it. So, you know, I, I collected all that material, but it just didn't seem to have much bearing on Alti. And so, okay. Um, well, it's interesting because one of the reasons I went down there in the first place was because I had been called by Joe Nickel because he wanted to investigate the case. I was going to ask you, why did you look into this in 2011? Yeah. What was the, the kind well, of Well, in, in 2011, it was because of, of, of the uh, creative loafing. But like late, I think it was might have been late last year or early this year, Joe had called me and said he wanted to investigate Alti, but didn't you know he's his health is not as good as it used to be his you know one thing or another he basically Mm -hmm. wanted to know would i be willing to go do the footwork and then send him my research and so i I basically was his research wow that's an honor i loved it i i had such a good time doing it i felt like it's like i felt it constrained me a little because i didn't want to release you know an episode where i here's what i think is going on and just you know swamp his story but he's he's read me his findings and he's doing something a little different i think joe 
describes himself as a, a paranaturalist. You know, he likes to look mm-hmm. at the stories. And again, like mm-hmm. I, he doesn't use this phrase. I, I think we do, which is if we use the presumption of sincerity when we approach these stories, if we say people are seeing mm-hmm. a real thing, uh, yeah. what what might that be? Is there a real creature that matches? Right. And so that's Joe's right. done a lot of stories like that. And I think oh, he the, certainly has. And I think in the okay. case of Alti. He's looked at the case and he's like, he's found what he thinks is the and best. And it was an owl. It was, it was, it was a water owl. They're very rare. No, no. <laughs> so I don't want to spoil what he thinks it is, but I totally agree no. with him uh, about what he thinks the, the root creature might be uh, for some of the cases of 100%. Um, but there's this, uh, while I was doing the research, I came across uh, a lot of articles about people spotting stuff, but then I found mm-hmm. an article that I didn't find in any of the monster books and that I didn't find in uh, anybody else's research. So I thought it was a little odd that it was left out, but if you're searching for Alti, it it popped up in newspapers.com right there with the rest of the report. So anyway, uh, I I feel like I ought to read it. Um, What this is, is it's, there was a restaurant at the time that was a popular watering hole. It's a really fun article because it talks about people coming in on Sunday morning to see who spent the night with who, the, you know, from, from the night before. <laughs> like, oh, look, it's the same couple and they're wearing the same clothes, that kind of thing, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. um, look of shame. Yeah, but it, it, it sounds like a, it was a really fun sort of watering hole slash dining place. It was called Higdon's. I, and, mm-hmm. um, all that I was like, okay, I, this is an interesting, but why, why, why am I seeing this? And you don't see the the relevance. You get to page two, uh, mm-hmm. is one of those. You know, it wasn't literally page two, but it's like moved back to the back of the magazine to get the rest of the uh, article. So here it is. All right, I'm just going to read this. This cool. is an excerpt, and I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go <laughs> read the whole thing. But Higdon's may eventually be remembered. Most as the birthplace of Ultimahaha, a Loch Ness type monster that rose from the murky waters of the restaurant's coffee to stalk <laughs> the nearby Ultimaha River. The Ultimahaha was the invention of Larry Gwynn, a former reporter turned eel fisherman, and David uh-huh. Newton, an architect of huge proportions and huger palaver. A reporter mm. from the Jacksonville paper did a routine story on eel fishing and chose Gwen as his subject. Gwen mentioned in his interview that he had seen a huge eel in the Altamaha, which he called a kahuna, from the Oklahoma mm. redneck meaning big lie. But the reporter did okay. not use it in his copy. Gwen mm. and Newton bemoaned the reporter's caution and set out to embellish the size and nature of the slippery monster for days over coffee at Higdon's, casting anecdotes like bread upon water. It, <laughs> it wasn't long before another reporter heard about the river monster and interviewed Gwen. With a straight face, he told her where and when he'd seen it. Subsequently, a story about the giant eel appeared in an Atlanta paper. Since then... Uh-huh. The Altamaha has made national network news. Locals up and down the river are coming out of the swamp to testify that they too have seen this terrible beast. There are plenty mm-hmm. of people who will fight you if you suggest the Altamaha does not exist. 
To capitalize on all the fuss about the eel, Gwen and Newton have gone into the t-shirt business. A cartoon of the Ultima Haha has been drawn and now adorns hundreds of t-shirts that read, I survived the great Ultima Haha hunt. If their t-shirt scheme goes <laughs> over, Gwen and Newton envision Ultima Haha golf shirts and preppy blouses with a cute little eel over the left pocket, and they may even go so far as to organize an Ultima Haha. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. Yeah. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Hot. Wow, fantastic work finding that. Yeah. Now, the funny thing, it's like, it's on the one hand, it's it's very much like the deathbed confession of the guy who said that the surgeon's photo was a, a, a model. Like, well, mm-hmm. if, that makes perfect sense. It, it explains why the photo, why it looks so small when you see the uncropped photo. It, it mm-hmm. like, technologically makes sense. But, it, you know, then again, it's just one person saying it, right? So, it, you know. Right. I did look around, though, and I did find some other story about Larry Gwynn and where he's described as a colorful local character. He sounds like a hoot. Uh, <laughs> he does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, I, I'm sure they were fun. To, and I, I came from a small southern town. I've known people like this. You know, yeah, I mean, so, storytellers. And, exactly. And yeah. I, I mean, it makes Alti fit into a kind of a funny spot, though, because it's the uh, what would it be uh, like a second generation or second wave monster where it's not legit, but it's built on the kind of how folklore in the primary, you know, bigger cryptids work. <laughs> I'm just sort yeah. of, this is an idea I just yeah. came up with about a minute ago. So I'm really kind of <laughs> workshopping it. Flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah. But maybe, maybe second wave cryptids are, uh, are a, a little reductive or uh, what do you call it? Uh, derivative. Yeah. Maybe he's a, a little derivative. I'm not sure. 
But I, 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 it certainly rang true. It certainly rang true. Yeah. Oh, no, that's a fantastic find. And I'm really impressed with all the research and investigation that you put together. And uh, it just goes to show, really, if you take the time to look into any of these stories and just prod around a little bit, you can find out what's really going on. Yeah, Often, I mean, yeah, yeah. Or, 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 I was going to say pretty quickly, but sometimes it can take uh, years yeah, to get to the bottom of it. it. Also true. And then some, yeah, exactly. Or sometimes the, the evidence you seek exists, but due to technical or uh, geographical reasons, you can't get to it, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, and yeah, that's happened with me before with some uh, research and just going back to it a couple of years later, you end up uh, digging further and having access to more resources and, and finding out more. And uh, so it's really, I think you, you were talking in the, the previous episode about closing off on a story. I don't know if you can ever really do that. Uh, I think there's always other things that can come to light with these stories and new information. Even when you've like 100% shown as something is solved, like it's not really a monster that doesn't always satisfactorily explain why it happened. You know, why did people think it was, you know, so there, there's all in, oh, in yeah. new angles. Yeah. Sociological, cultural, religious, so many things. And it's like, you know, oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I wonder like what drives people to hoax, you know, um, in this case, you know, they were having a, these guys are having fun. They're having a fun pulling a leg kind yeah. of thing. And probably, and they probably didn't expect it to go this far. No, have, probably not. You know, Rick Spears make a statue. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, if if Roger Patterson hadn't have died of cancer, what would he think of the world now? I mean, his little movie is reproduced in silhouette across trucks all over my state. You know, I mean, it's oh, like... <laughs> absolutely, it would have been hard, I think, for him to fathom at the time. Yeah, yeah, and I'm Just sure how far he it would go. I, I'm sure he would have wanted to figure a way to collect on that too. So, that is, yeah. uh, it is uh, but you well, know, I think Patty, his wife, is. Uh, has, has made some money, and, and I think uh, Bob Gimlin's made some money. So you know they're still yeah. doing okay with it. But uh, but yeah, I, I'd say yeah. this this work on Georgia Crypt is it, it, I feel a little guilty that it's taken me this long to get around to it. I also um, while I was there, I also gave a little bit of, of time to a couple of other monsters. I got if you know I, you can't talk about Bigfoot and not talk about Georgia because we had the. 2008, I think was the year I met you. Uh, that was also yes. the year of the, the Georgia Bigfoot in a Freezer hoax. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I, mean, I was listening to coverage Meant of that like, right as I pulled into park for DragonCon that year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, Good what? Timing. It was, I, that yeah. was funny to me, though, because um, it's one of those things where I was, even in my own neighborhood, I was known as a Bigfoot skeptic. Can you believe that? Um, <laughs> no. And when that story <laughs> broke, my neighbor called me and he was like, dude. It's on CNN right now. They've got Bigfoot. They found a body, and and I remember, <laughs> I remember being like, like this little, like the kind of, not like the sort of like when you watch a horror movie, you get a little chill. I got a, I got a rush of mm -hmm. excitement. I mean, for just a yeah. second, I was like, what? Maybe, That's amazing. Maybe this time. And then yeah. I oh, wait, 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 wait. You're on. You're watching CNN. He's like, yeah. It's like. Are they saying they've got a body? Or are they saying people have reported that they have a body? Right. And he Good was like, wait a second. Uh, yeah. I'm like, damn it. Don't call me yeah. for that. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was the Rick Dyer and Matt Whitten hoax. That was nonsense. Mm -hmm. While I was doing this work, I, I did come across um, a flying saucer story. Now, you've probably heard mm -hmm. before 
that the government has investigated crashes and taken away oh, yeah. a- alien bodies and have them in, in government locations and storage, right? Right, right. Well, guess what? In Georgia, what? it's true. So in 1953, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Ed- three guys, Edward Waters, Tom Wilson, and Arnold Payne, um, reported that they had uh, found an alien crash and there was an alien dead at the site. Now, no uh, way. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, way, way. Uh, um, okay, so for listeners who are bothered by uh, cruelty to animals, you may want to mm. skip ahead a couple, a couple of minutes. It's Karen, you may want to skip ahead <laughs> la, a couple la, of minutes. La, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> what, what they did was one of the guys bet the other two that he could get in the newspaper within the week. Oh, and yeah. so he okay. went and he bought a Reese's monkey. He euthanized it. Uh-oh. He shaved it. Oh. He dyed it green. Oh he got a blowtorch. He created a fake crash scene on the highway, and then he like oh. set up a situation where he uh, alerted the you know the either waited for or alerted the cops, and they came out. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation got involved in the case. They hmm. investigated. Obviously, it was a hoax. But then they yeah. took the corpse and they preserved it. And so it's actually hmm. in a museum at the GBI headquarters in Georgia. So you can uh, – wow. you need to, to make arrangements to go see it, but you can go see it. There's photos of it on the internet. Uh, it's It looks like a – well, honestly, if you don't know the size, it does look like they've got some sort of weird alien corpse in a jar. But it's a rhesus monkey with all the hair removed. Uh, it's just wrong in so many ways. It's wrong in a lot of ways. But uh, but it is uh, – the they call it the uh, Flying Saucer Monkey Man of Georgia. So – I had not heard of that one either. No, no, it's it's. I, I think it's like Georgia famous, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Blake, for sharing these stories with us, and for all of your hard work, your research, and investigations into into these. Um, seems like there are a bunch of other ones though that we need to visit too. Well, there are. We I think uh, one of the ones I talk about is Hogzilla, which is. You know, a real animal. It was just a little exaggerated. Well, probably worth a Hogzilla. chat. You know, Hogzilla was in two thousand four. Like the Hodag or something. No, no, it's real. It's so, so here. Okay, you'll love this <laughs> if you weren't aware of this. Okay, so okay. I, I know you're a vegetarian, so you're not as bacon conscious as I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but so hogs are really interesting to me because. They're a lot like werewolves, right? Okay. I mean, they're, only they're real, right? But so hogs, <laughs> d- domesticated hogs, you've seen them. You, you've probably seen uh, Charlotte's Web, you, you know, light colored. Yes. Oh, very yeah. Cor- My son just watched it the other day again. He loves it. Yeah, pink nose. They're cute. They're adorable, right? Okay. So that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a domestic pig. But here's what happens. Right. If you let a domestic pig out into the wild, within a couple of years at the most – it mm-hmm. will turn into what looks to be a wild boar. Only domestic okay. pigs have been bred to become enormous meat machines. They're giant mm. and they're designed like they've been bred to grow. So and, right. and so now a normal, you know, European boar, I don't know, what 80 pounds? They're not big. They're they've got we've got those in Georgia too because they were mm-hmm. released by set, you know, people who came to to Georgia from Europe, they wanted to be able to do boar hunts, so they released wild right. boars. But they're little; they're 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 dangerous, but they're not huge. Uh, mm-hmm. Now imagine that same boar, only instead of being eighty pounds, eight 
hundred pounds, and that's not an exaggeration. Wow. Okay, so that's now enormous. also they don't travel alone; they travel in herds. So these okay. these wild several hundred pound boars and sows will hogzillas. just they will hogzilla their way right through a fence they will hogzilla their way right through I your bet. corn they'll destroy your crops <laughs> that's <laughs> they, what you get that's what you get <laughs> that is what you get it hogzilla uh the the the, the only reason is legendary was the size uh they it was claimed to be bigger than it was but we will you know let's mm. save that that's because it's pretty big anyway yeah, i think i can... think there's a couple of really interesting things about hogzilla we can dive into and and I'd really love to get someone in particular if she's willing yeah. to talk to us. The person who's mm. pulled together the most information on Hogzilla mm-hmm. is the widow of Stephen Jay Gould. That's so bizarre. It is so bizarre. <laughs> she was. She's Why? Really, because she's. In a, I bet she'd be fascinating to talk to if she's hopefully still with us. Uh, she. Uh, yeah. She had put together a website that was all about problems with the media falling for hoaxes and stuff. And oh, okay. there was a whole big section about Hogzilla that was just extraordinarily extensive. Now she oh, may, that I, would be cool. Yeah. It, I, so if we could get her, that'd be great. If not, I would at least like Let's to try. I'd also like to have a, if there was any biologist we could get a hold of who would be you know familiar with these processes that cause yeah. these uh, these these astonishing phenotypical changes. Mm in hogs when they go feral like what triggers that yeah. is it yeah. sleeping in the oh. cold is it the, the quality of the food i don't know something is triggering a genetic change that just is again it reminds me of a werewolf it's not overnight and it's not to a wolf but it's to something mm-hmm. pretty spectacular and frightening so yeah. uh yeah they oh, it is a yeah. thing so but we will Absolutely. we will get back so to many, that because that's core so many more topics to explore exactly so and that's what we're here for so oh and one yeah. more thing uh, i'll probably put this in the intro outro anyway but uh, yep. I'll be giving my Georgia Cryptids talk again October 15th at the uh, Forsyth County Library. Uh, so I'll put the okay, link to that. Okay, will that be virtual as well? That'll be me standing in the library. That'll be me right there. Oh, <laughs> but will it be available for people oh, to town no. to virtually you watch? You have to get your butt up there to Forsyth County. So. <laughs> uh, well, that's a shame. Hopefully hey, they can make it virtual, it, but if not, well, we'll if you're in the neighborhood, what we'll do is anything that I, I mean, we've we've covered between these two episodes, we've gotten a lot of the material out, and then we mm-hmm. can we can go deep on some of this stuff. So I think it'll be fine for sure. And um, yeah, I well, think there's a lot to cover, and I think it'll be fun to meet some people if you guys can make it. So yeah, uh, cool. salute. Thank you. Thank you so much, Blake. Monster talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stoltzner. Hey there, you just heard part two of a revisit of my Georgia Cryptids talk that I gave at DragonCon 2023. I'm especially excited to be revisiting Hogzilla in the near future. But as a reminder, if you're in the area and want to hear the full talk from DragonCon, you can catch it at the Fort South County Library in Cumming, Georgia, October 15th, 2023 at 2 p.m. Stop by and say howdy if you have the time. Monster Talk's theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thank you for taking the time to include monsters and science in your audio consumption.
this has been a Monster House presentation.